All right, welcome to the Action Martial Arts Power Hour. This is a show where we talk about anything and everything martial arts related and beyond. It's, there are times we don't know what's going on, but we make it enjoyable. We make it entertaining. And the man, this is the brainchild of Alan Goldberg. And let me bring him on so he can tell you what's going on. Alan, the floor is yours. How you doing, folks? Uh, everyone is doing great. Um, you know, this is a type of show that, again, we just... We talk about anything, but we have a special guest on. We're waiting for another one, but we have one on right now. And we have special guest Kathy Long, world five-time world kickboxing champion, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, see, see I, I know that because you said it, but Joe, Joe Rebella knows that because it's in his memory for like 25 years already. So. But uh, we got some great guests on. As a matter of fact, just uh, tonight I booked a lot of people for the future shows. We have next week, we got Jeff Smith. And we have Christine Bannon Rodriguez on next week. Nice. So that should be an interesting show. And what I'd like to do from now on in the shows, I'd like to bring a woman on and a man, two special guests every week. So we have a little flavor going on that people could look at and say, well, these guys are not doing, you know, they're doing the right thing at least. You know? so, but uh, got, a, got something I want to speak to before we bring our special guest in. Um, we're starting the new channel, uh, the Amen channel, and Dennis and I have been working on different things and getting different materials together. And one of my friends that's working with me, he's an old student, uh, has his own channel called YFN. Uh, he's connected to over 4 billion households throughout the world. And uh, he's making up some stuff. He made a beautiful clip on a Sonny Chiba movie, which was a 30-minute clip at the beginning you know, from our, our company with the logo and all. And... Facebook got a, a little bit of a play on it, but he put it out to his channel and he thought it was a mistake because it, within two days, he got over 12,000 hits on the video and kind of blew him away. And uh, again, I mean, see Dennis smiling over there, <laughs> but 12,000 hits, which is like unheard of. He, he was, but he told me like this, he goes, you're going to see open up a world that's never been done before. You're going to get people inundating you. He invited us to some big broadcasting parties that they're going to have uh, sponsors and stuff there. He goes, when you guys get this thing going, they're going to be falling all over you because it's never been done correctly. And uh, I really think that if we do this correctly, um, it's going to last for a long time. We have over 200 Kung Fu movies right now. We're working on some other product. I've been speaking to other people with Kath. I'd like to offer it to you, too. Uh, we'd like to get people's podcasts and also put them on the TV show, uh, where you may get a certain amount from what you're doing. We could run between the movies and stuff. We could run a podcast. And I just think it's good because it gets everyone's word out there. And, uh, I, you know, I think people would be interested even to watch that, you know, on the TV channel. They don't want it. That's fine too. Uh, we're gonna have some good content for them to play with. Dennis, you have anything to say about that before we go? Uh, I think you pretty much uh, completed it. It's uh, it's it's been um, it's been unexpected that it would be it would blow up that big. I, I figured it would take a lot longer, but um, when we get this done, I got that feeling that it's gonna be the biggest thing that the martial arts world has, has ever seen. He said to me, it may be the biggest thing on that. It's on Roku also. And he said, we're also looking at the Roku, the Amazon and Apple might pick it up after a few months. So we may be all over the world with this thing. And uh, I think it's going to do well. But listen, let me not hold back. I want to bring our special guest on. 
and uh, she's looking good and she's done uh, a lot of, i know you're running around you're working with the walk-up team and doing things like that now too so not i would like to give her the title master grandmas but let's give her the five-time world champion kathy long kathy how you doing i'm really good how are you doing right right yeah you know some of the COVID. i'm still stuck at home basically uh new york is a horror just like california but uh we're doing good you know we're doing a but we're working at home unfortunately but <laughs> yeah. this time to do things no, I, I was lucky to uh escape california about a year yeah. and a half ago i uh, moved up to washington state and i mean not that you know it's it's more relaxed it's not but um yeah. It's a lot smaller, so everybody who's getting vaccinated has a chance of, you know, getting it much faster than they would in California, for yeah. example, because yeah. that state is huge. So it's a lot harder to get vaccinated anytime soon. Peace in the sun there. It'll it'll look like it's all gonna, you know, within a couple months, it's gonna be at least three quarters of the country will be done. So hoping yeah. that works out good. But I want to hand you over to our good. Uh, we call him Wikipedia Joe. Um, unfortunately, he knows things about people you sh he shouldn't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? But but yeah, no, Joe. I, the old story is when I met Joe, I was gonna hit him after we spoke because he knew too much about me, and I was looking at him like, "How do you know that?" But uh, let me let me let me just hand it over to as our guy Kempo Joe, or we all know him as Wikipedia Joe. Joe, all yours. Hey, Joe. Thank you very much, folks. Uh, Kathy, it's great to see you again. And, you know, I, I, first of all, I've got to say it's all due to Alan Goldberg that we actually got to meet at the action event. Uh, again, I followed your career for many years. I'm kicking myself because I was hoping to have more of your, of your various uh, DVDs and videos. I have everything from Knights and The Stranger and Under the Gun with Richard Norton. And, and um, I know it's not the first issue, but um, tell me about this. April nineteen ninety one. I know that wasn't the first cover you were featured on. Well, let's get that closer, Joe. I'm going to put you on solo. You bet. Let's pull it up. I guess they're calling me the queen of mean on that on that particular magazine. Um, At least I picked a better name when I asked you earlier. So the new, yeah, <laughs> the new queen go. of full contact. The new queen of full contact. So. Let's 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 talk about your early career. Um, now, again, I know you from a, a little known town in, in uh, California, Bakersfield, California. And, yeah, um, now, uh, yep, yep. Well, I've been there, so I, I I will neither I will neither confirm nor deny. One of my old girlfriends is from there. So, but um, yeah. So uh, um, talk to us. What now? Your first art was uh, Kung Fu Sansu, if I'm not mistaken. No. My first art was oh, really? uh, Aikido, and I achieved my shodan in Aikido. And then uh, while I was doing that, I was also studying Shonru. Um, and then I got into Kung Fu Sansu, which is my true love. Um, keep boxing aside, you know, Kung Fu Sansu is really where I shine. I think I, I do that better than I do kickboxing, but. You know, kickboxing was just something I happened to get into, and you know, just um, it's kind of weird how I my my very first fight in in kickboxing was against a girl who was 
190 pounds. She was five foot three. I was five foot five at 120. And she challenged me to fight her in, in a kickboxing match, and I had never done it. And before that, she kept challenging me to compete with against her in point fighting. And I said, you know, I don't do that kind of fighting, you know, because I stick my fingers in people's eyes and hit them in the windpipe and stomp on their knees and crush their testicles, clean their asses, open fight. So, so I said, look, you know, I don't, I don't compete that way. And finally, her instructor called my instructor, my Kung Fu San Su instructor, and asked if I'd be willing to do an exhibition, you know, the air quotes, right? exhibition <laughs> yeah so called so <clears throat> i said what do i get to do they, they explained that in the rules i have to wear gloves but i'm allowed to punch and kick as hard as i want to and i said i can punch and kick as hard as i want okay it's on and i had, I had 10 days 10 days to learn how to do kickboxing <laughs> yeah and when we, when well, you, we had you, fight, you did well though okay <laughs> thank you thank you very much i think it was just uh uh fear fear is an amazing motivator for me yeah. Yeah. now for for our viewers here on vero hive in the alan goldberg power hour uh kung fu san su is a very unique kung fu system uh popularized in california by jimmy h Wu, and uh it takes essences of uh the legend goes his ma his grandmaster stole five books from the Shaolin Temple and took the essences that he learned from the books and, and put them into practical self-defense. And Kung Fu Sansu on the West Coast is very much known for its practical self-defense. Now, uh, after that first match, did, did, were, you, were you bit by the bug and wanted to get involved? How did it all you know, come to continuing in kickboxing after that first match? Well, I, I was so scared during that fight because she was huge and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And all I could think of was I got to hit her as fast and as hard as I can. And that's all I could think of. So that adrenaline rush is something that you literally cannot replace. There's no drug that'll give you the same adrenaline rush as getting into an altercation like that or getting into, you know, a fight, literally, whether it's on the street or in a ring or a cage or whatever. There's nothing that can replace it. So in that respect, I was hooked and immediately addicted. Immediately. So I just thought, I, I'm going to try it again. And I did some amateur boxing for a little while um, to improve my hands, because I could definitely kick. But And then I got into a few amateur kickboxing bouts. And, you know, I just, um, all my sparring partners were men. And all the men that I sparred with, we're already U.S. champions, world champions, state champions. Um, so they beat the crap out of me constantly. <laughs> My main sparring partner was John John Adams, who um, his ring name was the Iceman. And he patterned all of his fighting after Troy Dorsey, who was a world champion in kickboxing and boxing. Right. Yeah. And he was just on you like white on rice it just would not lit up he's constantly pressure 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 and i learned after a while of getting hit in the head after a long time of getting hit in the head <laughs> i learned to finally move and and counter and it was just a, a huge experience of trial and error as i was figuring things out you know i'd, I'd get another fight and i just kept experiencing 
I kept everything I practiced in the ring or I tried to practice in the ring in sparring, I would have tried to apply in a fight. And it wasn't until, I don't know, it wasn't until a couple of years later that I finally got the hang of things and I wasn't getting beat up every single day. Yeah, talk about trial by fire, right? And, and, and Kathy, you're going to add something to your resume. This is the first time in all the shows we've done that anyone has stumped, stumped Wikipedia Joe. No one has stumped him but you. And you How did I do that? Because he got. Yeah, he I was going to say, too. Yeah. Well, but what, didn't you have a little misinformation earlier? No. You, you did. Just agree with me. Oh, about the first rank. Yeah, that's true. No, he's right. Yeah, you know, see, he's right. You see, right, I so, know. I was trying to save you, Joe. Just agree with me because I was right. Well, so, you know, Kathy, someone. There we Kathy, go. Someone was just talking the other day about events. Um, Hello, Kathy, someone was just talking the other day about uh, yet another accolade you have. Vincent? Well, in Compass on Sue, you know, because we we practice, the way we practice is based on a reaction principle, which means that I don't pull my shot. I actually put my fingers in your eyes and I drive your head back. I always go through my target. So when I hit the groin, guys usually wear groin protectors and they respond accordingly as if they really got hit because that's realistic. I mean, way too often I see people practicing where they hit the guy in the groin or they've got a big, huge red suit on, and it's not realistic. They just stand there, and they get hit, but they're not reacting. The nice thing about like, – because I, when I bounced in a bar for two and a half years, I actually stuck my fingers in people's eyes and hit them in the groin and hit them in the windpipe and stomped on their knees. And you know what? It worked. There you go. It works really well. It wore, I, I, You know, on the fly because – by the time I was bouncing in that bar, I was already a, a black belt in Aikido and Kung Fu Sansu. Um, so in that respect, I did a lot of practicing. And, you know, on big, giant, belligerent, drunk, people have delayed pain reaction. Yeah, you learn a lot. <laughs> you learn an absolute, yeah. Real fast. <laughs> Now, I was going to recently say that in the, in the internet they've been mentioning about different accolades, and you have an accolade that no that no no other um, female martial arts can ever say. You were the first female judge at the first UFC. No, I was, was not like a judge. I was not a judge. No? I was a commentator. Stump number yeah, two. Okay. Well, you were, yeah. you were, the, you were the first. <laughs> Number two. Lou's going to bust my cookies all night long. Yeah. But again, you, you were the first the female commentator at the UFC. <laughs> and I pull up my hair. I got me on left. You know, it's like. Not only was I the first, but I am the only female commentator that ever only. was on the UFC. Crazy. I don't know why they don't have females, but so be it. It's okay. Yeah, you would think they they would have someone doing you know commentary or doing other things. They have people, they have women doing the interviews in a locker room and everything. They should have them ringside. They should have them doing the color. They should have them doing that stuff because you have a lot of champions yeah. out there. You're right, and you know there are people who are actually you know 
comfortable in front of the camera and can actually speak. Mm -hmm. And I did, I did color commentating before. It's just that during that particular time, I was, I was cut off a lot, but um, really? yeah, there were several people talking, especially Bill Wallace, who, when he had the headphones on, you know, he was, he was tuned into whoever the producer was, who was telling him things to say, um, uh, which meant uh, that he would just cut me off. <laughs> you know, it's be it. It's okay. We don't do that don't, here. Though. We let we let Kathy that. talk. That's it. We let you talk. <laughs> <laughs> is is Rusty around? She's at the school. Um, oh, okay. Right. Right now, so. I was gonna say bring her on too, but anyway. Well, that'd be awesome. Give give her give her my regards. I certainly will. Thank you. So, Joe, go on. What what else you got to say? Uh, another question I had. Boy, I'm getting corrected all night long. Let's see how I do with this. Two. One. All right. So, uh, you with three. You know, we, there you go. <laughs> all right. So, we, we got to talk about your movie career. You know, right. again, um, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have to have copies of, of course, Knights, uh, The Stranger, uh, Under the Gun, I believe, with Richard Norton. Let, let's talk about Knights. Now, that was directed by Albert Pune. And that was a really kind of a futuristic sci-fi post-apocalyptic film. How did you get involved in that? Well, after my last world title fight, which was in Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas, Albert Pion approached me and Karate said, Mania. what's that? Karate Mania. I believe that's what it was called. I know well, that's what the the, v, the VHS video oh, I see what you're saying. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it was called. I don't remember. I think it was Karate Mania. You're right. But no, that was another one. That was when I was in Lake Tahoe. Ooh, oh, stop right. number three. Okay, that's three. <laughs> <laughs> so, you got three, after, Joe. After my, Man, after you're my out. Fight, um, Albert Pion approached me and he said, hey, you know, I, I've got this film that I want to do, and I think that you would be perfect for one of the lead roles. And I I would love for you to at least at least audition with the with the producer and 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 tell me what you think about you know being in a film, being in one of the leads. And I looked at him and I said, I've never done acting and I don't I'm not interested in acting and I don't think I would be good for it. And he goes, Well, could you at least at least read for the producer? I mean, I think you'd be absolutely perfect for the role. And I said, uh, okay, are you going to give me some of the script or something so I can read it beforehand and get familiar? He goes, yes, I'll definitely do that. They're called, they're called sides. And so anyway, he gave me some of the sides and, and I read them. And what I did not realize was that while he was trying to convince me to read for the producer, he was trying to convince the producer to let me read. Wow. <laughs> and the producer kept saying the same thing I was saying. It's like, um, she doesn't act. She may be a good martial artist, but she doesn't know how to act. So what makes you think she'd be good for it? And I'm thinking the same thing. I don't act. So what, I'm, I'm not going to be good in this film. It was hilarious. We got Vinny back. There he goes. No, we, back. We, don't. Yeah. we don't have him back. Losing um, him? Yeah. He'll be back. He'll be back. So he'll be back. Yep. <laughs> I, I go in, I sit down with the producer, and I read for him. And he goes, 
wow, that was great. You got the job. And I went, what? <laughs> yeah, you got the job. So I, I decided to go to take some acting classes and work privately with an acting coach. Um, not that it helped, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how many how many movies did you do? Well, I worked on Natural Born Killers, uh, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, um, Natural Born. Oh, I said Natural Born Killers. Uh, there was another one, Romeo and Michelle's. Oh, Death Becomes Her. I did most of the choreography and fight scenes in those films. Okay. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Did an episode of Walker Texas Ranger and another show called Street Justice. <clears throat> Um, what else did I do? Well, we talked about oh. The Stranger. That was another starring vehicle for you. Yeah. The interesting thing about that movie was um, they asked me if I knew how to ride a motorcycle. And I said, um, sure. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, you always say yes because you can figure it out later. <laughs> exactly. So I immediately en enrolled in a course. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, I bought myself a cheap little motorcycle and was riding it every day, <laughs> which is a huge, huge, huge departure from the gigantic uh, Harley Davidsons they had me ride. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But really that, as, mar as martial artists, we learned to adapt to things. So, yeah. You know what? Another, another chapter. Story of my life. You know, hit the ground running and figure things out as I go. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Sometimes I didn't know anything about people. I had to learn how. Kathy, people say to me all the time, "How do you learn how?" To... Uh oh, Alan, we lost you. Give it a moment. Give it a moment. Okay. I think we lost here. Yeah, we lost Alan. Uh -oh. Okay. Well, is everybody? Yeah. Um. Well, we're here. So, uh, Joe, bring some questions up. I'll keep going. You bet. Keep it going. So uh, when I saw when I saw the stranger, it reminded me like a female version of Clint Eastwood's movie, The Man with No Name. It really had that flavor to it. Um, really you enjoyed know, it. And then, uh, believe it or not, the stranger is a ripoff from High Plains Drifter. Ah, High Plains Drifter. There you go. There you go. <laughs> now, uh, your your third big movie was uh, with. All right, everybody keep counting how many things I mess up with. That, uh, what, what are we on? Four or five hours now? Every time I do something wrong, I don't make Lewis's night, let me tell you. But, um, Joe, I love you. I'm I know, believe me. I'm, on this show, I'm used to it. But anyway, um, let's talk about a, a really in, interesting um, film you did, uh, and that involved well-known martial arts actor Richard Norton. I believe it's Under the Gun. Yes. Hey. So, uh, tell me what it was like working with Richard Norton uh, in the in the film Under the Gun. You know, I got to tell you, he is an amazing martial artist to begin with. I mean, just incredible, very knowledgeable about all kinds of things. And you know, the I think one of the one of the most difficult times that we had on that film, not on it, but getting to it, was that he tried to the. The film commission in Australia kept asking Richard Norton to bring in a, a top female martial artist from Australia. And they kept saying, well, we have plenty of top female 
actresses, uh, martial artists, why don't you bring in one of them? He goes, and he kept saying that, you know, Kathy Long, they're not, they're not a five-time world kickboxing champion. They're not a master in Kung Fu Sun Tzu. They're not, you know, this and this and this. And, and it took, it took him months to finally convince the film commission to allow me to come over. It was, um, that was the biggest challenge of working on that film. But once we got there, you know, choreographing fight scenes with him is an absolute breeze. And he's just incredibly knowledgeable. And we just had a blast. It was so much fun, really a ton of fun. I, I'm sorry my part was so short in it. Uh, we both were, but it was a pretty amazing experience. And, you know, they say the guys in Australia are kind of, kind of dogs. They're, they are, they're dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know we are, you know, but those <laughs> dogs, when they get older, then it kind of, kind of mellows out, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And they, they, and they saw a dresser like you, Dennis. Look at you. You're sharp. You're sharp. He has his closet set. Wednesday, 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 ready to go. Ready to go. <laughs> Amen. That's the new network. So, That's so, why I wear you. There's a one a few days I'm not wearing a karate uniform because I'm so used to wearing a uniform when I'm on this show. I know but, you uh, are. <laughs> Usually you are. You're nice. You're, yeah, you're, you're, you're you got everything. You know, day, you, you got know? the starch on there and everything. The belt is tight. You're ready to go. You're ready to go. Yeah. So, so Dennis, the, Dennis, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the uh, about the network that you're that you and Alan are doing? Well, because Alan right now is in limbo land. Okay, we're going to be um, doing Roco. We're going to be, hopefully, very soon, um, we're going to be broadcasting MMA, mm -hmm. uh, K1, and we've got the, the, all the, the classic uh, martial art movies from Jackie Chan to uh, Bruce, even old Bruce Lee and the Shaw Brothers. And I think that the audience that we had back in the day, uh, Kung Fu Theater, Kung Fu Matinee, we're going to try to pull that, that group back in. And I think this is going to be uh, one of the biggest things that we've seen in the United States uh, as far as martial arts exposure mm -hmm. and entertainment that this country's ever had. And I don't know. And we're going worldwide, too, because we're, we're in Italy and our friends in Italy um, is one of my um, production people mm -hmm. and Africa, which is an untouched continent. And I have we have the whole continent of Africa. So we're, we're really. Uh, expanding really really fast so when the world sees what we're doing they're gonna be like ah oh, they did it it's never been done before and then you you'll and, have you'll have kathy's show on on the network oh yeah i know she was uh, sang su so i'm president of the international wushu and sang, sang su federation here in the united really? states i'll give you uh, i'll give you a holler after the show <laughs> yeah Please, things you. you find out about on this show and <laughs> and then how you stump joe Four times is still an amazement to me. I mean, I'm going to be hanging on this for the next five years. Where we're going to have it, Kathy? Where we're going to have a show on Stump Wikipedia Joe? We're going to have a whole show there, and now we don't have to do it. Just yeah, let's do it. It's on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Let me. Okay, what does they want to ask? Let's see. Let's see if I'm stumped once again because I've always. Said, Kathy, I've heard from several individuals over the year that at one point you were involved with one of the uh, the Batman films with Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. I heard that. Yes, that's oh, very cool. cool. 
Now, Stop. I got to tell you, I got to <laughs> tell you how I got the job. I got to tell you, because it's we gotta, an amazing we gotta hear it. story. Okay. I was, um, this is while I was still competing professionally. And um, Benny the Jet Yukides calls me and he says, hey, Kat, um, my, my stunt team, we did the first Batman and we're going to be doing the second Batman as far as you know, stunts and all kinds of stuff for, for people. And he goes, they're looking for a fight double for Michelle Pfeiffer. I think that you should audition. And I said, all right, what the heck? So he gives me a, a name at Warner Brothers Studios and um, he sets up a meeting for me. So I drive from Bakersfield all, all the way to Burbank, which is about 120 oh. miles. Wow. And yeah. I, I walk in to Warner Brothers lot and oh my God, it's ginormous. And I have this, you know, I have my pass on and I have a piece of paper with the number of the building and the name of the person I'm meeting, Max Clevins. And I'm walking around trying to find the, this building and looking at the numbers and I'm just totally lost. <laughs> so I see this, this kind of straggling haired guy with a wife beater tank top on and a, a, a button-up shirt with skulls all over it. It's a white shirt with black skulls all over it. And I said, excuse me, sir, I'm, I'm having difficulty finding this building. Would, could you, do you have any idea where it could be? And he looks at it and he goes, oh, yeah, I know right where that is. He goes, let me take you over there. So he's walking me over there and he goes, so what are you here for? I said, well, I'm, I'm going to be meeting with Max Clevens, the stunt um, coordinator, about possibly doubling Michelle Pfeiffer. And he goes, oh, okay, well, great. Good luck to you. So he walks me to the building. He points, he looks up there and he goes, go up there. It's the first door on the right-hand side. Go up the stairs. And I said, no problem. Thank you. And he goes, hey, good luck. So I go up the stairs. And this is, you know, while I was still competing. So I was 125 pounds shredded. And I walk in with the shorts and a tank top on. And the, I walk in. Max Clevens is sitting in his office. And he looks at me and he goes, oh, my God, not another fat chick. Can you just, like, you know, go lift a weight or do something? <laughs> so I laughed. I said, oh, you mean the Oreos I've been eating are finally showing? <laughs> so, <laughs> we have a good report right from the beginning. And he goes, all right, kid, what do you got? So I walk in and I said, well, all I have is this VHS tape of one of my fights. He goes, all right, kid. So he pops it in. This is when there was VHS, right? Uh, yeah. So he pops it in and he's watching my fight. And the phone rings. So he picks up the phone. He goes, yes. Oh, yes, sir. Yeah. Um, yes, I can do that. Okay. Okay, bye. So he hangs up the phone. He goes, all right, kid. I need you to go downstairs and, and do some moves so I can see what you can do. <laughs> That's the way he said it. So I run downstairs and I see that young man that, uh, you know, had the straggly hair and the wife beater tank top and the skull shirt. And I thought to myself, well, if cameras are on me. I can't, I can't look at him. So I just got to do my thing. So I was shadow boxing, punching, kicking, elbowing, kneeing and moving around. And, and um, I see him watching and I'm thinking, God, I hope I don't look like an idiot. <laughs> so the guy upstairs, Max Clevens, he goes, Okay, kid, come upstairs. So I run upstairs and I walk in the office and says, All right, so uh, we got a wardrobe meeting at uh, a Wednesday. You got to be here by noon and you're going to meet Michelle and we're going to measure everything. And I said, 
I'm sorry, what? He goes, you got the job, kid. As <laughs> so I walk down the stairs, I see the guy with the straggly hair, and he goes, how'd you do? And I said, I, 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 I was speechless. I, was st I didn't know what to say. It's like, I got the job. He goes, wow, that's fantastic. So I'll see you later. And he, and he leaves, and I leave. And I come back on the, on the next week, Wednesday, and he's there, and it's Tim Burton. Ah, look at that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And it was Tim Burton who I thought he was trying to hit on you. I don't know. Hey, how you doing, Kathy? <laughs> and you know, I gotta say, working with Michelle Pfeiffer, you know, because I, when I got the job, I had two weeks before no, three weeks before um a fight. It wasn't a title fight, but it was a fight on Showtime at uh Harris in Lake Tahoe. Oh, okay. And I said to the production company, I said, "Look, um, I've got a, I've got a fight in about three weeks. Um, I promise I'm not going to get beat up. Of course, you can't really promise that, but you know, whatever. I said it. <laughs> and but uh, as soon as I'm done with that fight, then you know, I, I, I'm all yours for as long as you need me. And um, they said, "Oh, that's fine. You can do that. No problem." So. Couple of weeks go by. Um, everything seems fine. I check in with Warner Brothers. Everything's good. And then I fly to Lake Tahoe, and we're there. We're there contractually ten days before the fight to acclimate to the altitude ah. and everything else. So um, about three days or four days before the fight, we get a call from Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers says, "Excuse me, um, Michelle Pfeiffer wants to train with you. Can you can you come in tomorrow?" They have this kid, whoever was calling me, had no idea that I was already in Lake Tahoe getting ready for my fight. And I said, um, yes, I'll, I'll be there. What time? <laughs> he goes, uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I said, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, tomorrow, right? Yes, yes. She'd like to see you tomorrow. Okay, thank you. Click, and I'm like, crap. Thank God what do for I that do? motorcycle. Thank God for the, the motorcycle lessons, right? That's what you need at home. Like, oh. <laughs> I know. It's a, it's a long, that's a long trip. <laughs> so I, I beg, borrow, and scrape together whatever money I can to get an emergency flight back. And I'm in the Burbank Airport. I see this little white mug with a black cat on it looking all fierce and going, right? And beneath it, the caption read, "Piss me off, suffer the consequences." Ooh. And I thought, oh, wow, maybe, maybe Michelle would like this because it's you know black cat, right? <laughs> so I come over there and I get to the trailer, and the door's ajar by this much. And I'm about to knock on the door when I hear her, Michelle Pfeiffer, inside. She's livid. She is so freaking angry that somebody had apparently done something that really screwed up something else. And I don't remember what it was, but she was really, really, really mad. And all I could hear her was just whoever was on the other end. I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm glad that's not me. <laughs> did you go in there and say, I have a mug for you? <laughs> well, that's exactly what I did. But I waited until there was a break in the conversation and I quickly knocked on the door. She comes to the door, she opens the door quickly, and then she looks at me and she goes, oh my God, how long have you been standing there? <laughs> long enough to know that somebody really did something bad, 
<laughs> and she said, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry you had to hear all that. I said, hey, it does happen, and I'm sorry. And I said, but I got you a mug. <laughs> I got you a kitty cat mug. <laughs> He's offering me. I'm sorry. She probably started <laughs> laughing because of, of well, what yeah. you just witnessed, too. <laughs> Not only that, but she took the mug and she pulled it out of the packaging. And she goes, oh, my God, this is perfect. Thank you so much. And she kept that mug with her the entire time throughout the filming of the movie. Nice. Wow. She probably still has it. Uh, I don't know if she does or not, but it'd be cool if she did. Um, yeah. And yeah. the one more cool thing that she did, and I'll, I'll we'll go on to something else or somebody else will come in, but um, she found out later that I had spent my own money and, and, and left Lake Tahoe just to come to train with her, and it was an unscheduled training session. Even though the guy on the phone said that she wanted to train with me, they had actually told her that I was coming in to train with her. So the guy told me one story, and they told her another story. The BS train rolls on. The BS, yeah. She found out that I scraped together whatever money I could and left, you know, Tahoe just to come train with her for the day and then fly back. Wow. And she went to the production company and which was you know um, MGM and um, I'm sorry Warner Brothers and and Paramount um, and she said to Warner Brothers I want her paid for every single day of the shoot whether she works or she doesn't work I want her paid that was nice wow yeah and hey, that was an investment that paid off for you yeah that's a hell of a way of saying thank you yeah that's nice yeah, I mean, everybody at Warner Brothers, you know, my car got broken into, my stereo got ripped out, and you know what they did? They handed me a check for a new stereo. Look at and that. they didn't have to do that. They didn't, because there's signs everywhere in the parking lot saying, you know, keep your valuables, don't leave valuables in the car, and, you know, my stereo got stolen. Cars well, in your car. Well, you can't yeah, make it. Well, I mean, I guess you have the ones that you can pull out, but I'm sure you didn't have it at that that. Right. No, I didn't have it at that time. Yeah. But you know, they, they handed me a thousand dollars and said, "Here, go buy yourself a stereo and an alarm." <laughs> well, that was nice of them. You know, that that's probably one of the better experiences that I've heard because a lot of times, you know, other people don't care. They don't care. Do your job, and that's it. That type of thing. But it seems like you had a fantastic experience there, and that's great. I had one of the best experiences I could ever imagine having. I mean, I worked so closely with Tim Burton and Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Keaton and, of course, Michael Keaton's fight double, um, whose name is escaping me, British guy. But, uh, I mean... David Leo. What's that? David Leo. David Leo, uh, David? How would you know? But you know what? I'm, I, I think you <laughs> may be right. On the film. I, follow, I follow... You asked me, Wikipedia Joe, <laughs> David yeah. Leo. L-E-A. Ask, ask Wikipedia Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I think his last yep. name was Lee. Yep. That's David. Yeah, he was one of the more popular act, uh, actors. He had been featured in uh, a couple of movies throughout the 1980s in different capacities uh, through uh, Canon Films and whatnot. Yep. Well, he actually, you worked you worked with two members of the, uh, of the uh, United Kingdom contingent because in Knights, you worked with uh, Gary Daniels. Yes, I did. Wow. Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah, Gary Daniels, we all went whitewater rafting on one of our days off. 
and <clears throat> we hit a big bump and the whole raft would just went up like this and then and then you crashed and hit hard and i flew out and i still had my hand on the rope and I'm, my body's in the water and gary daniels just reached over grabbed me and yanked me up out of the water like like i was a fish <laughs> <Set me down. laughs> wow wow yeah that boy is strong see joe that you're redeeming yourself oh, yeah. a little bit we may have to bring you down to three and a half <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, Gary, I know. Now, Gary also got uh, injured on that on the set of that, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we were talking about, I was talking with him about that once. And uh, that was a tough shoot. And, uh, you know, people don't realize some of the stars, like you had Christopher Christopherson in, in the film, um, <coughs> which was at the time a pretty big deal. I mean, you know, I, and it was uh, in, incredible that. Uh, I'll be peeling back to you in regards to that. You know, it's, it's a really interesting film. Yeah. Good thing about Chris Christopherson, or I don't know if it was good or not, but he was pretty much very stoned every day of the shoot. Nice. No. <laughs> <laughs> he went by his trailer and he was just reeking of, of marijuana. And at that time, we're at Moab, Utah. I mean, nobody cared. <laughs> but he was, he was stoned a lot. But the nice thing was we got to hang out and, you know, put up a campfire on the weekend and, and pull out the guitars and sing. And play. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was wonderful. And, and he brought the special stuff, so it became a party. Okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't smoke marijuana, but, you know, everybody, a lot of, several people there did, and they had a great time. <laughs> as long as everybody was happy. <laughs> yeah, everybody was happy. Okay, Joe, what was your next question? Well, now, after your kickboxing career completed and you, you had been involved in films, uh, you were, you got very much involved in uh, the bodyguard uh, bodyguard business. Again, originally being with Bouncer, um, I was I was told that you were bodyguard work and, uh, and uh, uh, executive security and protective services, things of that nature. Yep. To, you know, uh, pretty extensive levels. Um I've done anything from working with the Saudis to uh, governors and mayors to, you know, CEOs and companies, uh, you name it, I've done it in that respect. We worked with a company called At Risk when we had all our troops in the sandbox. Wow. So the army bases all around the United States were, had, did not have enough personnel, meaning uh, to man the gates in their, in their own bases. So, um, wow. a group of us that were working under a company called At Risk, and we were actually going into each state and training civilians to work on them the, to man the bases so that there would at least be people at the gates making sure that everything's done properly. And because it was a pretty hot time, you know, when all of our troops were over there. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Let me ask you a question, Kathy. When you were working with the Saudis, well, how was that experience? Because I know, you know, they, they have a reputation of uh, not adhering to to women, but you know, you're you're one of the toughest on the planet. So maybe that was well, a different experience. I think because I I'm just highly intuitive in that respect. Um, so I've learned not to. I mean, if you knew me in the early stages of my career and my life, you know, I was painfully shy and, and it was very difficult for me to learn how to speak to people. 
But because of that, I was highly observant and I would watch and just observe and listen and pay attention to what's going on and how they, how they, how they are. Um, it doesn't, didn't matter how I was, I needed to see how they were so that I could respond accordingly. Um, and not necessarily to become a chameleon, but to at least uh, show the respect that's, that's required. Now, having said that, I have fired myself a few times because I will not tolerate being uh, mistreated, so to speak. Right. There were several families. I mean, we're looking at eight to 10,000 members of the royal Saudi family at this point. Mm -hmm. And they keep a geneticist handy because there's a lot of inbreeding, which is really unfortunate and, and true. But let's just say I've worked with the high ups, you know, the ones on the high on the food chain, and I've worked with the ones low on the food chain. And the ones that are high up on the food chain, money is not an issue. Now, keep in mind, every royal member of the Saudi family gets paid money. Mm -hmm. Depending on where they are on the food chain, right. <laughs> there's more or less money. But they do get paid to be royal. You know, as a royalty, they get paid, period. That's wow. it. So, uh, you know, who knows how much it is. It's probably more than we make, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. The ones who are high up on the food chain, they treat you with respect. And they make sure that you're taken care of because you are essentially taking care of them. Right. Right. And I asked that, I had asked that question because I know, you know, I'm not talking about the security business, but in business in general, you have a lot of women that are with, you know, companies and they're, they maybe they run their own company and they are dealing with, uh, you, know, you know, Saudis and their experiences vary, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking maybe cause you have that input that you can, you can kind of give them some guidance on how to handle that without causing a ripple? What causes a ripple, um, especially with Saudis, is trying to become their friend. As soon as that happens, they fire you. Or they'll continue the, that term with them, whether you're with them for a month or three months or six months, they may they may continue using you during that time or, or They'll reach out to the handler because there's usually a handler in between the, the middleman, uh -huh. and they'll tell the middleman, "I don't like her. I don't want her here." And it's because they don't the especially the older ones, the older ones don't want you to become friends with the, their children or even the people that work around them. They don't want you to become friends with them. They just want you to do your job and go home. Exactly. Okay. And you you're polite and. You're courteous, but you're there to do your job, not to be their friend, period. Now, there are times, there are a few members of the Royal Saudi family whom I had made friends with, but you know, it wasn't because I tried to, it's just that um, they would invite me back every summer. Every summer that they came to you know, LA, they would invite me back. And But they would initiate that building of a friendship, not, not you. They initiated it, right. yes. And I think it all started <laughs> when I tried to explain to them that I lived in, um, at that time when I was working with them, I lived in Burbank, California, and they were in West LA. And I tried, they didn't understand that, yes, Burbank, California is considered Los Angeles, 
but they didn't understand that I didn't know West LA at all. That's like a different and, country, but go ahead. <laughs> well, it is. It's totally like a different country. Yeah. And I tried to explain to them that we're talking several hundred miles or at least 200 miles or whatever the miles is, right? Let's just say. So I don't frequent this area very often. I don't, I'm not, you know, driving down Beverly Hills every day and I don't know this area very well. So, but the, the, the children were teenagers and because they were fun loving, they, they liked having fun. So I said, look, if you, as long as you don't mind that I use a GPS on, you know, on my phone, the maps on my phone, as long as you don't mind that, then I'll take you anywhere you want to go. So with them, it became kind of a game. Oh, we would all have Google Maps. Okay, who can get to who? Who can pull it up faster than than anybody else? Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, my directions are better than your directions, right? <laughs> and we would play and have a game with it. And they, for some reason, they were very. Uh, kind in that respect as opposed to judgmental like why don't you know where you're going why don't you know where this is why don't you blah 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 right which is the typical attitude of most Saudis if you don't know where you're going and that's why you know even even people who are the drivers they would have their phone underneath you know it's sitting in their lap and they just glance down at the maps because you know they're they're expected to know exactly where every fucking place is right and they've heard about it because their relatives have been there. And they go to the nicest restaurants or the nicest hotels or the nicest underground clubs, which there are. And if you don't know where they are, then they get really indignant and upset. Wow. Yeah, weird. It's, so it's just a different culture, and dealing with it, you you have to you have to have an idea how to deal with it if you're looking to do business there or looking to work with them in any way. You're right, and. Yeah. You know, after years and years and years of working with the Saudis, I discovered over the period of time that they're, they usually have the money man. The money man is the one with the big old satchel that he has strapped over his shoulder with tons of cash and usually um, black American Express cards. Right? So they, could, they could buy buildings. They could buy, you know, houses. They could buy neighborhoods um, wow. if they wanted to. With either the cash that the guy kept on him, <laughs> or the North American Express cards, right? I think the black card better. <laughs> yeah, the city. but you know what I I realized is that the kids had security, the parents had security, everybody had security, but the money man. So that's the guy you bump off. Yeah, look at that. That's good insight for anybody that's listening. All right. Yeah, me. Look for the bag, man. Look for the bag, man. They would be by themselves. So, you know, you could get a couple of people with vans and just block them in and, and get in the car and. and <laughs> look, Joe was actually taking notes. And me, I know what part of the episode we're editing now. <laughs> And, and these money guys, they're usually former military wow. or they're former police or they're wow, we went but it doesn't matter. They're by themselves with no weapon. Right. And even if they did have a weapon, we all know how to take them away, right? So 
Yeah. <laughs> and just for anybody that's listening, we're joking around. We're not looking to, to go take the bag, man. That's yeah. Day, but, you know, but if, you're, <laughs> if you happen to be watching kids, now, one of the things you never, ever, ever do, which we did all the time, but you never do it, is have one agent for two people or three people, meaning yeah. one agent for three kids. That's kind of tough. Now, Ooh, yeah. The three kids usually have a nanny, but and no agent should ever work one against three, you know, with three people as, as their client. It just doesn't work that way because and drive for them. So we're talking they're worse than Jews as far as doing people down on price. Like, no, I don't want to hire a driver. I don't want to. You have to watch my nanny. And oh, you, you want this much? No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna bring it down. How about this much instead? And it's like, like let's, make minute, a let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. Yeah, <laughs> bad. Really bad. Let's make a deal. <laughs> the worst oh, nanny you I've ever met. That's funny. That's funny. Joe, do you have any other questions to redeem yourself oh, for yeah. the five-time world kickboxing champion? Yeah, Joe, you are wrong. three and a half. You're at three and a half. Let's see what you got. Well, obviously, Kathy, we're on social media. I would Vero Hive. We have the Alan Goldberg Power Hour. Now, in recently, you and Sifu, uh, um, the Jesus, uh, have put together a wonderful podcast that you've been running for quite a while now. Can you tell us about the name of the program, how it be, how it got all together, and how you got involved in the project? Well, um, her and a very good friend of hers, Robert Deal, who is also a martial artist. Um, Robert Deal actually brought up the idea. He goes, you know, you should do a podcast because you're really good at you know speaking to people and and getting things going, you should run a podcast. And so the two of them decided to put it together and and call it Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio or Talk TV. And Rusty, Sifu, Sifu Rustita, or Rusty is what I call her, um, she you know, was the mastermind behind the camera and, and putting together the show, producing it all, and making it all work. And he was her co-host for a long, long time. And um, when he stepped down from that, she asked me if I would come aboard. And I said, sure, why not? What the heck? So we've been doing that together, uh, yeah, gosh, maybe a couple years now. Um, but it got started because he just, he liked the way that she was always good about speaking to people. And she was, you know, she's an arbitrator and a mediator for a lot of groups and stuff like that. And she happens to be really good at it. So, um, he just said, hey, why don't you start a show? So they did. Um, it's been going on for almost 10 years now. I've only been a part of it for the last couple of years. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. See, see Joe, that wasn't a stumping question. So you uh, you got off scot-free tonight, okay? You got off scot-free. We leave you at three and a half, and you have to redeem yourself. This is what I go week. Well, at, at, least I was a, at least I didn't go into your talking mustache. That mustache is talking by itself. It's not creating all types of comic, comical things. But uh, anyway, wait. In closing, of course, you know, you know, Alan should be here, but you know, he got uh, 
he has some technical difficulties, so we're going to close out the show. And uh, Dennis, let's start with you. I want to end with you, Kathy. Uh, Dennis, start with you. Uh, any closing words? Uh, I want to thank all of you for tuning in. And uh, thank you, Kathy. I'll be looking forward to seeing you. I want to talk to you a little bit later. And uh, Kempo Joe, <laughs> you on a roll. <laughs> Make it five. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, Joe. <laughs> Closing words. Uh, Kathy, again, it's great. It's great seeing everybody, obviously, here on Barrel Hive. Kathy, thank you so much for being a guest this evening. Um, I got to thank Alan Goldberg because I would have never met Kathy. Um, we have a mutual friend in Massachusetts, Paul Servisi, who you've been uh, doing some seminars from here for him in Massachusetts. I'm really happy that you got to meet through Action Martial Arts. Um, really enjoying Dynamic Dojo. As you know, I've been on the show occasionally visiting and I uh, really enjoy the format. And I'm uh, really glad I got the chance to talk to you about your life and career here on the Alan Goldberg Power. And thank you, Lewis, of course. Hey, yeah, Joe, you. thank you for being stumped. You made my night. Trust me. Now, <laughs> now Kathy, closing words. You know, I'm just incredibly grateful to be a part of anything that you guys are doing. Um, and, you know, what a great show. And I'm, I'm just going to talk about this to everybody. Um, if there's, if you have any kind of advertisements that I can post on Facebook and Instagram or whatever else, please uh, let me know what it is and or just email me something and I'll, I'll blast it. Awesome, Looking forward Kathy. to Looking forward to sharing this. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I have your email, so I'm going to email you. And with that okay. said, I, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And again, you know, Alan had technical difficulties, but that's okay. We carried the show. We did good. We had some fun with Joe, information from Dennis, and of course, the great Kathy Long bringing in all the information, making it better and better, every week getting better and better. The Action Martial Arts Power Hour is going strong. Alan Goldberg has put together a killer squad, and we're doing this every week, every Wednesday. And thank you guys for tuning in. And everyone, Kathy, Joe, Dennis, thank you. And stay with me, and you guys make sure to catch the other episodes of the Power Hour and future episodes. Support it. Support the Action Martial Arts Network that's coming out. It's going to be crazy. Thank you again. Yay. Looking forward to it. <laughs>